0: You may be seated today. Thank you uh, for being with us today. I'm gonna do a couple things today. Uh, many of you saw on our social media and maybe on some of the stuff that we're gonna have a special guest today, uh, Steve and Julie Kramer. Um, he is not able to be with us today. He woke up sick today. So we're gonna be praying for Steve. And uh, how many uh, know that uh, when you get a call 6.30, it's like, hey, I'm not gonna be there, you're on. It's like, okay, Jesus. I am available. (laughs) And that's why they pay me the big bucks, right? But uh, so, hey, when you think about Steve and Julie Kramer, there are missionaries with uh, uh, City of Hope, and uh, they, or excuse me, City Serve. They're based out of Los Angeles, California, and it's a ministry to the vulnerable, and uh, Steve is an amazing missionary, and we love them. We support them every month. Just be praying over them. Specifically today, praying for them. I'm also going to do some announcements. I would like you to be praying for Andrew Lavier. He's usually the good-looking younger guy that's up here giving announcements. And he's hurting today, uh, just in his neck and his back, a lot of pain. I want you to be praying for Andrew Lavier, too, as you think about him. He needs a healing touch and to be back at it. But today, I just wanted to go over a few announcements that we have. And uh, I've got them here in my handy-dandy cheat sheet. First of all, welcome today. We're so glad you're here. We want you to connect with us. There's multiple ways to connect with us. There's a connect card right in front of you if you want to fill that out if you're a guest with us. Um, If you have a prayer request, we want to hear from that. Probably the greatest thing we can do for you and with you is pray with you, so we want to do that. There's also uh, ways to connect. Uh, You could just text FLC Connect to 94000 and uh, just let us know how we can serve you, how we can... Uh, be there for you, how we can walk with you. And then also, there's ways to give. I'm going to ask the those that are going to take the, well, receive the offering. We don't take offerings. That'd be robbery, wouldn't it? <laughs> and uh, But as you give generously, um, elbow your neighbor and say, make it generous. I'm just kidding. Uh, you guys are all going to want Andrew back real fast. Uh, as the offering goes around, there's ways to give. Not only today, if you aren't prepared to give, do not, there's no guilt zone in here, but if you'd like to give online, you can also do FLC Give to 94,000, and uh, that will uh, afford you a link to, to uh, where you can give online, and it's very convenient, so there's ways that you can connect, ways that you can give today, and uh, a couple things that are coming up, we've got Youth Summer Camp, Life Youth Summer Camp coming up, and uh, registration is open. If you have a student or someone online, you're thinking, man, we want to go to youth camp this year, please talk to Pastor Emily or Colin about that, and uh, even if there's a financial issue there, we want to make sure that our students are able to go to camp. Also, if you have children and you're interested in uh, uh, Camp Tillicum, you need to talk to Janine. That registration might be full, but check that out. And then also, one of the ways that our our youth ministry uh, gets support is they sell fireworks every year. So the official... Uh, Life Youth Fireworks Tent at the Dodge parking lot is gonna be open tomorrow. And uh, if you have some availability to help them set up today, I know that uh, Colin and Emily would love that help, but then tomorrow they're gonna be off and running, so if you want to uh, celebrate the 4th of July and burn up some money, hey, burn it up for Jesus. That's our theme, we're to make a T-shirt. Burn it up for Jesus, let's go. <laughs> But uh, if you have friends that are gonna buy fireworks, just say, hey, go to the Life Youth. It goes to a great cause, and it helps students go to camp. It helps fund our youth ministry throughout the year. So please make sure of that. On the way in, someone was asking me about prayer and worship tonight because we have been doing the prayer and worship the last Sunday night of every month. We are taking a break for the summer months just because... uh, It's the summer months, and we're gonna break for that. So we will resume that uh, again in September. So just wanna let you know um, that. So uh, excuse me, June and July, we are starting in the end of August, forgive me. So the end of August, we'll kick it back going. And then every year, we usually have something we call Church on the Lawn, where we actually go out and we have church outside on the lawn. And this year, it's gonna be the last Sunday of July, kind of shaking it up a little bit, kind of a midsummer, Um, celebration, we're gonna have uh, everything out in the lawn and a great lunch to follow, and so plan on being a part of that, but mark your calendars for uh, that in July, and then uh, that is going to be a lot of fun, and it's gonna be outside, yeah, so that's what you need to know about that. Uh, Before I jump into this amazing message that God put on my heart at 6.30 this morning, um, (laughs) I'd like to have uh, some friends come up right now, uh, Nick and Jillian Willis, and Lucy, you come with them, because they've got one of their beautiful daughters with them, um, and uh, love this family, whichever way you can make it up here, and Sadie and Evie might be in kids, life kids, so they're a three-girl family, I love it, let's get right over here, and uh, so, Jillian and Nick and Lucy, Sadie, Sadie, sorry, got you wrong. I'm sorry, wow, that's great. Well, don't leave because of that, leave for another reason, I'm just kidding. So uh, maybe you recognize these faces, they've been a part of our faith community for a while, and uh, Nick being a professor at George Fox and now a consultant, and uh, we love that. Jillian is women's ministry, author, speaker, worship leader, you do a lot, and uh, gifted, gifted people, people of prayer, but God is uh, transitioning their lives to Houston, Texas. And uh, so, yeah, I was like, boy, hey, it's a dry heat. No, it's not. It's, it's very humid. So. Um, but God's leading you there. I was, just, I was thinking about you guys when I was listening to that, that song today. I'm available. I know that's how you live your life. You're available to his direction. And when I was talking to these guys and say, this is our last Sunday, I say, you know what, we don't like to lose people. We like to launch people. And when you make a big transition, some of you know that when you make a major move, you're just hanging on to Jesus going, okay, he's going to work this out. God's working all the details out, but I just ask for the privilege to be able to pray over you. And I want us as a church, a faith community, it's been such a privilege to have you be a part of us and, and an honor to have you, you know, worship with us and to be a part of our ministries. And so as this new chapter opens for the Willis family in Houston, Texas, I want you to know you got people here that love you and going be thinking about you and praying for you, okay? So would you just stretch your hands this way. Let's pray over the Willis family right now. Jesus, I thank you, God, uh, for this family. Lord, I thank you for the ministry that comes out of this family and the lives that are touched. And Lord, we know that when you direct our steps, that is the best place, that you're gonna lead us and you're gonna guide us. And I know this family is one that is led and guided by your spirit And so, God, we just pray over them right now that you'd work out every detail. God, as they make this transition, thank you, God, for selling houses, for houses that are being purchased. God, I just pray that you would work out every detail. Here's what I love about you, Jesus, is your will is always 360 degrees. And if you're gonna make a move in one area, you're gonna work out every detail, and they're gonna be able to trust you. But God, as... Fellow faith community, as friends, as people that love this family, we pray a blessing over them. We pray, God, that their greatest days of ministry and family are yet ahead of them, and when they land in Houston, that's just gonna be a whole new chapter, and they're just gonna sense the open doors and the paths straightening out, and they're just gonna sense your leading and your guiding. So, God, we thank you for this time that we've had with this family. We thank you for who they are, and we thank you for what you're gonna do in the future. And God, selfishly, I pray right now that you would replace them with about three Willis families that are uh, gifted as they are. But God, we just launched them right now in Jesus' name, and we thank you for them. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Hey, we love you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for letting me do that. God bless you. bless you, Nick. Lucy, it's not you. It's Sadie. I wish I had Evie up here. Now, Evie's the one with the, that doesn't like me, right? She's uh, she, she loves me, but she's got that face that says, I don't like you. I love it. Um, it's, an love. it's an internal love. There you go. That's great. It's great. Wow. Well, uh, thank you for that. Uh, what, a, what a great opportunity uh, as a family and uh, as a faith. I want to talk to you today, and I say this all the time I don't, be, I don't believe in random acts. So God has his hand on this message today, and God's orchestrated this. And we are in the series on uh the characters from God's word great lives from God's word and the last several weeks we've been talking about the apostle Paul and started out as Saul you might remember we started that and Saul was one rough character a very difficult person that God completely changed his life we had uh uh Ray and Linda Noah here that talked really uh gave a modern example of incredible church planting and raising up pastors in um, not only Ethiopia but uh uh, several other places in Africa there. And God, God uh, has led us through that. And then, then last week we talked about uh, the waiting that, that happened in Paul's life before he got launched into ministry. And so today I want to talk to you about peace in the storm, peace in the storm. Because one of the things that we see in Paul's life is that uh, God used storms to shape and direct his life in incredible ways. He was probably one of the most effective church planters, scripture writers, theologians that we've ever seen, but if you look at his life, you go, man, how does one man pack all that kind of conflict, if you will, all that, that uh, uh, friction, if you will, all that, that storms the, and see it turn, but, but we know this much is that there's no life that's a storm-free life. We could probably have a testimony time right now, right? And uh, here's what I found. No matter what I go through, if I stay in the process and trust God, God's purpose is going to come through. That's the difference about being a faith, a person of faith, a Christ follower. If anybody says, come to Jesus and all your problems go away, <laughs> we know that's not true, don't we? You come to Jesus and your problems might get a little worse or it might be different problems, but here's the deal. I come to Jesus and I'm never alone in my problems. I come to Jesus and here's the thing that only God can do. He turns my problems and make them work for me. I had a mentor that said this to me one time. He says, whatever you're going through, Dave, whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing in this moment or in your life, it's usually more about you and Jesus than the issue. Whatever I'm facing, and i got to remind myself, you know, when I'm, when I'm feeling sorry for myself, when I'm sitting there going, why is this happening, I've got to stop and go, wait a minute, this, this is not about the thing. It's more about me and Jesus than anything else, and I would present that to you. And there's no better life to see this than the, the life of the Apostle Paul. He was such an amazing example of a life that was lived completely available for God. He was strong. He was obedient. He was willing, but he was broken and tested. In fact, when you look at all the things that he went through, you wonder, man, how can one person make that? It seems like so much. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but you kind of go, hey, my quota is full (laughs) for pain and life, right? God, Maybe you've said, God, this is too much. And I know that When we face certain things, it can seem just overboard. And there's a lot of things that people say. How many know that people say dumb things when they're trying to encourage you? Don't point them out, but they will. (laughs) God will never give you anything more than you can handle. Well, that's not in the Bible, number one. There's a lot of stuff in my life I can't handle. The point of following Jesus is the stuff I can't handle, he's handling for me, right? So... I want us to look in the book of Philippians because, again, we're, we're in this challenge. Every character, as Clint and I process through this, we're going, how do, we, <laughs> how do we compact one of these incredible lives? How do we compact great lives in God's word? Each one of these lives could take months to really extricate all the things out of them, but when we look at Paul's life, we, we've, we've got to kind of take a look. So we looked at kind of pre-Paul, which was the Saul years, we talked about the pre-ministry waiting period that he was in. And then we see in the book of Philippians and how he had on its face, it's a book of joy. It's just talking about being joyful. But he writes it <laughs> from a prison cell. And in the kingdom, it's called the, the kingdom principle of inversion is really what it's called. When it looks like you're losing... Maybe you're winning, and it's not just semantics, and it's not just you say tomato, I say tomato. It's you see through that Jesus' teaching, and we see all the way through the New Testament that Paul is able to say, and this is an example, he says, when I am weak, what? I'm strong. When it seems like I'm losing, guess what? I, this might be a win for me. And I don't know if you've ever thought in life or taken a moment to step away from whatever you're facing and said, what if I've got it all wrong? Would I, would I respond differently to this trial? Like, bring it on. This is gonna do good for me. I wish I could say that I always had that intestinal fortitude to be able to, or that, that biblical perspective to say, hey, this challenge, this challenge, bring it on because I know it's gonna make me stronger. But Paul comes to understand that just because it hurts doesn't mean that God isn't there. And you don't have to understand a storm to benefit from it. So let's look at Paul's dream. Paul had a dream. If if you take all his writings and you listen to the way that Luke wrote about him in the book of Acts, you see that in his heart, in his dream, his dream was to take the gospel to the city of Rome. Rome was the center of the world. Rome ran the world. The the, the Roman Empire, everything right there. He said, if I could take the gospel to Rome and, and establish the church in Rome, it will change the world. He had preached in Antioch. He had preached in Athens. He had been in Corinth. He had been in Philippi. He had established churches in all these places. He had developed pastors. He had discipled leaders. He had impacted cultures. But he has this dream to preach to the people of Rome. Now, we know that Paul was his Roman name, he's got a citizenship that's benefited him because he's a Roman citizen, but Paul is thinking strategically here, and his dream, he's wondering how can I pour my life out to be most effective, and he's like, I've gotta take the gospel to Rome. And about this time, he encounters a storm of epic proportions. On his way to do this, he goes back to Jerusalem, And the Jews find him, accost him, if you will, arrest him, pretty much try to kill him for the most part. The Roman guards had to come in and rescue him. And it takes two Roman governors really to keep him from being turned back over to the Jewish authorities. And he appeals to Caesar and that takes him to Rome. And if you read the story about this incident, even in the storm of the storm as he's going to... Rome, he like encounters a storm. (laughs) He's got a storm within a storm. Anybody have that story? You know, it's like I'm going through this and now I'm not only going through this but I have a storm within the storm. That's what happened to Paul. But he finally gets to Rome and he's a prisoner. And he writes to the churches from that cell. This Philippians type letter is the letter that we read as he's sitting in this Prison cell. In fact, we call these letters the prison epistles. Epistle just means letters. And when you read Philippians, you can't help feel the joy. I mean, Philippians is a book of joy. It's a, it's a book of purpose. It's, a, it's a, a book of hope. And isn't that crazy that we're getting all this dripping joy and hope and purpose, and here he is in a jail cell? It's the kingdom principle of inversion. And I'm going to read Philippians 1, 12 to 29. I'm going to read it out of the message translation. And this is his report. And he says this, I I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers here and everyone else, too, found out that I am in chains because of the Messiah. That piqued their curiosity and now they've learned all about him not only that but most of the Christians here have become far more sure of themselves in their faith than ever speaking out fearlessly about God about the Messiah and then down to verse 29 it says this there's far more to this life than trusting Christ there's also suffering for him and the suffering is is as much a gift as the trusting. Isn't that interesting? The suffering can be a gift. And it's not this guy that's just writing some philosophical prose about, you know, sometimes, I mean, he is in the middle of it, right? You ever know when somebody talks from personal experience, when you know the road they've walked, and they're telling you from their story, from their experience, that carries some weight. We also know the people that just like to talk and have to know it all, but they've never walked it, and it doesn't carry much weight, does it? But Paul knows what he's talking about. And living a life of purpose is going to include things we don't understand. It just will. A life of purpose is, however, a place where we can see God do things that only he can do. We don't make it happen, he does. He does. There are times, and like I said, we don't have to go back very far maybe into our life story and to be thinking where God has brought us from, where God is taking us to. You think about this and you say, man, in that season of my life, God was closer to me than ever before. Now, we don't want the difficulty or the trial, but how beautiful is it when you know that you know that God is just with you? When you know that God is just with you? Uh, Scripture says, the thing that I feared most came upon me. I don't know if you've got one of those the thing I fear most lists. You ever got situations you go, well, I could never go through that. You, you see friends go through something. You name it, the, the, the tragedy, the difficulty. Well, I could never go through that. But there are times when we realize, man, we're going through that. And you see God be closer than ever before you experience God on a whole new level. You experience his care and his covering. I I like what Jesus said in in the Beatitudes. Remember, he was up on the mountain, and the disciples and all the followers came around. He began to share with them, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will see God, it says. But in the message translation, which is sometimes fun to kind of look at, it says, you're blessed when when you're at your end of your rope. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope because less of you means more of God. And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of end of my rope kind of situations where I go, okay, God, this is just you and me. And he's like, finally. So Paul says of this difficulty, this I mean, he's been imprisoned. He had this dream. But he said, what they thought would stop the gospel only increased its effectiveness. I love that. Now, who wants to be in chains? Paul didn't want to be in chains. He's a man, he's a strong leader. I mean, you look through the the scriptures, you see he's strong. And nobody wanted for him to be chained. But he was able to see the purpose in the struggle as he communicates this to the Philippian believers. The result of the suffering was greater than he could have accomplished doing things his own way. He had a plan. He was gonna come in to Rome like most places. Like we see him go into Antioch. We see him going into Philippi. We see him go into Athens and he's gonna establish the church. He's gonna find some people to begin to share the gospel with. He's gonna find some converts there. He's gonna to begin to teach them. At one place, he spent two years just building up, pouring into 12 disciples. I don't know if you knew that, but Paul actually took a moment in time where he took 12 disciples leaders and just poured into their life for a two-year period, similar to what Jesus did and, and he raises up the church that way, but this is a completely different kind of church plant. He goes, I got an idea. Let's plant a church and I'm going to put you in jail first and chain you up. <laughs> I say no, right? There are things that we're going to go through that will bring about greater closeness to God than if it happened according to your own plan. But It's a life of purpose, a life of purpose, but it's hard. And look what's happening to him, the struggle, the pain, the confinement. But he's able to say, there's far more in this life than just trusting Christ. There's also suffering for him, and the suffering is as much a gift as a trusting. That word for suffering also can be translated difficulty, can also be translated tribulation or trouble, it's all the same Greek word, and the Greek word for suffering or difficulty or tribulation is the Greek word philipsis, it's kind of fun to say, thalipsis, and it means under pressure, pressure. The primary use of the word, the Greek word philipsis, is to crush, to press together, to squash, to hem in, to compress, to squeeze, especially internal pressure that causes someone to feel confined. How many are feeling really good about this word right now? You get the picture, right? But it's that very word, means without option, it's that very term that's used for squeezing the juice out of a grape or oil out of an olive, that's thalipsis. It's process. It's the process in winemaking. It's in making olive oil, this process. Thalipsis is the word, to squeeze, to confine. And he uses this word picture. Now, I have here today um, some grapes. Don't you love an illustrated message, right? And uh, I've done this before. So some of you that go, we've heard this, I know you have. Um, but it's it's such a great illustration. Even as I was thinking about this, it encouraged me. And so I've got these great grapes. They look good. I just bought them at Fred Meyer this morning. And uh, you can get these grapes for about six bucks. Um, organic. They're going to be a little bit more, right? Um, six bucks, and I could I could just eat them, right? I could just eat these grapes right now, and they'd be worth about six bucks. But you put Six-dollar grapes through thalipsis and process and time and pressure, and you have an eighty-dollar bottle of wine. That's process. That's thalipsis. That's what he's talking about here. You know, these grapes just can be left on their own. I can eat. I can leave them there long enough, and they're raisins. <laughs> you can put them in my cereal, right? But if I deny the process, if I deny the philipsis is to deny the very thing that's going to bring the highest value. You get that? So your struggle, your pain, the tribulation you might feel, and interesting, isn't it interesting when we get in those situations, we can feel less qualified, we can feel less valued, we can even feel broken, and God's economy, remember, the... The the, the kingdom principle of inversion, that's God sees that He's adding value to your life. Peter described it this way in 1 Peter 1. He says, This, I know how great this makes you feel, even though you've had to put up with every kind of aggravation. In the meantime, pure gold put in the fire comes out of it, proved pure. Genuine faith. Put through this suffering, same word, talipsis, comes out proven genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your goal, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. He says this suffering. You know the word suffering is found in the New Testament 50 times? Do you know how many times the word blessing is found in the New Testament 50 times? How many know that sometimes I wish I could say blessings found in the New Testament 2,000 times and suffering 50 times? But see, it's the process that God knows what he's doing in your life. Blessing isn't always gonna bring out the worth that God wants to build in my life. I kind of wish that it would. I'd kind of like to test that theory. Like, God, if you would just bless me beyond what I could ever even imagine and see what I do with it. (laughs) and then we'll have a discussion afterwards but God knows it's been those restrictive times those squeezing times those times where I don't feel like I have a whole lot of options times when maybe I feel like the worst thing that possibly could happen to me happens to me and the peace of God that passes understanding crazy peace comes in and I experience God on a whole other level that's what we're seeing here no one's going to vote for this. <laughs> you know? No one's going to say, I vote for hard times because I really want to grow my inner person. Maybe you're better than me. Maybe you do that. Nobody votes for unemployment. Hello? Nobody votes for cancer. Nobody ever voted to blow up your marriage. Nobody ever votes for divorce. It's not possible. I can't do that. It would be debilitating and you stand in front of a crisis that you see coming and you say, man, I will not survive this. God, I see this train coming. I will not, this can't be your plan. A financial crisis? Getting my heart broken by the people that really should be protecting and loving me? I mean, come on. I wanna go on record by saying, God, I vote for blessing. That's where my vote comes in. I vote for the wide easy road with big green lights, Arrow's saying, this is the way, Dave. Walk there in it. And I'm just like, yes, I'm going. But it's in the crushing times that I sense the voice of God saying, trust me. Trust me. I've got you. I'm gonna bring something out of this that only this can accomplish. It's like, You can stay a grape, Dave. You can just stay a grape, and then when you get old, you look like a raisin. (laughs) Or you can allow me to get my hands around your heart and the things you go through, and I can refine you, and I can bring greater value out of the difficulty. And this is what we see in Paul's life. You see, I don't have to understand the storm to benefit from it. So many times you're trying to, I'm trying to figure this out, I'm trying to figure this out, and God's like, maybe there is no figuring it out, but I'm going to work it for your good. All things work together for good, not just for everybody, for those called according to his purpose, and he doesn't say all things are good, it said it can work together for good, and I want to show you the context right here in in, in the Apostle Paul's life, because the context in this passage that we started with is the result of Paul appealing to Caesar, He's about ready to get judged. He doesn't want to go back to the Jews. And he says, I'm going to appeal to Caesar. As a Roman citizen, every citizen had the right to say, I want my case, if I'm in a court case, to be appealed to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court was Caesar himself. And so the book of Acts, he's on trial. The Jews have arrested him in Jerusalem. They want to kill him. They want to kill him for his missionary work and they've tried to get him to Rome, they've tried to get Rome to kill him, just like they got Rome to kill Jesus, hello? But being a Roman citizen, he has that right to go to the very top for the ruling. That appeal has been made, and off he goes into custody, and now it seems like his missionary work is over. He's a man awaiting the sentence by the emperor, pretty much dead man walking. He's on the green mile, if you will. Taken off the field, out of service. Well, we used to be able to have Paul, but he's done. But not really. Look what he says here. Church history and scholars agree that once in Rome, and once Rome had put him into custody, and being available to live, the the, Church history says in the book of Acts we see that he was able to live in a rented house but he was under house arrest but he was in custody by the imperial guard. And you might remember the the imperial guard or the praetorian guard was like the special forces of the Roman army. And the emperor had brought them into Rome to literally be the, the elite special forces that would take care of the most important circumstances. And when Paul says, I was handed over to the captain of the guard, in fact, and he says, I've been chained for the gospel, he literally means that he was chained, wrist to wrist, to a Praetorian guard member, one of the elite forces. So Paul, 24 hours a day, is chained up to one of these guard members, and they're taking shifts. Every eight hours or so, He's got a new guy next to him, and he's just, and he's allowed to live in this house, but he's in custody. And so here he goes. He's just hanging around, and it might seem uncomfortable, but here's the soldier. He's hearing Paul dictate letters. Okay, here's what I want you to tell you, the church in Philippi. Hey, Cornelius, listen to this. And, he started, and he's just like, whoa. He's chained to him. He's listening. And he's dictating letters, and people are coming in, and he's praying for people. No doubt healings are happening. I can't imagine the interaction that's going on between Paul and whoever he's chained to at the time. Hey, how's the wife and kids? Oh, really? Hey, you know this gospel I'm talking about, man? This can change your heart. I can just, because Paul, he's that. He's an evangelist. Man, can I, I just tell you what Jesus could do for your life? So his imprisonment, his trial, this very difficult, undeserved struggle, this thalipsis, if you will, this imprisonment, it opens the way for sharing the gospel and exposing the gospel to the finest regiment in the Roman army. And Paul's dream to preach in Rome, he said several times in the New Testament, he wants to preach in Rome. He wanted to take the gospel to the city of Rome, but this wasn't the way he wanted to do it, not in this kind of shape, not in chains, but look what God did. In verse 12 and 13 of the scripture we read, it says, instead of being squelched the message has actually prospered, and all the soldiers here, this guy's he's chained to, and everyone else too, have found out why I'm in jail because of the Messiah. That piqued their curiosity, and now they've learned all about him. <laughs> you see the purpose. Proverbs 16, 9 says, a person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. I think Paul had this principle, and he understood the bigger picture, the purpose in the storm. Just because a storm is present doesn't mean that Jesus is absent. And when Jesus is involved, storms have purpose. And it's a life designed by the Holy Spirit. And if you are a follower of Christ, and you're allowing yourself to be available to him... That horrible job situation has a God purpose. That crisis in your relationship has a God purpose. That financial situation that makes you just ready to quit, it has greater value than you can see on the outside. And I don't say you have to be like a sadist and say, I love the pain. (laughs) I've been praying lately, God, this hurts so bad, you better make something out of this because I I just want out. I know there are some of you that feel less than because of what you've been through, but according to this principle, your trials, your pain, the difficulties, maybe in the things that you didn't deserve, maybe the things that made you feel now that all you have is the leftovers of what's left of you. (laughs) Anybody else have this little daydream where you go back and you undo all the bad choices you ever made in your life? You know? I'll start, you know, for me, it probably was kindergarten. <laughs> and you say, okay, if I didn't do this, and I didn't do this, and if I hadn't done that, and if I hadn't made that choice, I, man, my life would be better. But I, I don't think I'd be who I am. Everybody wants blessing. But the question is, are we willing to endure the thalipsis, maybe the pain, the purpose that's gonna come at Storm's End? because the crushing will be over. I say this all the time, that there are seasons in life. But when the crushing is over, when the season is over, we're left with a better understanding. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed spirit. I'm gonna close with this. Hannah's gonna come up and play for a moment, but I just wanna, the, the message today, and Again, God has orchestrated this for you today. Don't let the presence of the storm make you doubt the presence of Jesus. You don't have to understand all the stuff happening to you to be able to benefit from it. And the very thing that you're facing right now or next month or next year It's going to be more about you and Jesus than it is ever going to be about the issue. It's going to be more about what God is doing in your life than it ever is going to be about that situation. And human nature is is that we're up against the wall. That's what we see, the wall. And God has this eternal perspective, thankfully. And God says, I can use that. And the enemy goes, hey, watch me disqualify her this way. Bam. And God says, yeah, I can use that. And the enemy says, watch me take him out this way. Bam. And God says, oh, this is just going to be richer. You'd think the enemy would stop and get the message, wouldn't you? I wish he would stop, but he won't. That's his job. But just when the angels turn to Jesus and go, oh, man, look at that. Look what he's going through. And Jesus has kind of got this smile and goes... I think they're about at the end of the rope, and I'm about ready to step in, and I'm going to be able to do something so beautiful through that. That's what the Apostle Paul discovered. That's what he lived. Church history tells us that he died in Rome. He died for his faith, but not before he had established the church in the most incredible way in Rome not before he had interjected Jesus into the most exclusive guard Praetorian guard in Rome permeated through there that they had been chained to the Apostle Paul they had been experiencing Jesus as only he could express it how many lives can't imagine the ripple effect that began to happen And I think once Paul got to heaven and he looked down and he went, oh, that's what that was all about. And then he began to see the change happen and how the church began to expand. And here we are today, over 2,000 years later, saying, thank you, Jesus, for doing it your way. And I think when we get to heaven, I'm, even though the stuff that I wish I could go back and change, I'm gonna come before Jesus and, I'm going to have that aha moment, and I'm going to say, thank you, Jesus, for doing it your way. If I'd have had my way, I'd have been a wrinkly grape. But thank you, Jesus, for making me a fine bottle of wine. Ooh. That's why he put me in Yamhill County. <laughs> that You just heard the extent of my wine knowledge right there. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, for this journey as quickly as it was, as expedited as as it was. It seems like there's so much more that, that we need to say about his life, but just the fact that you were there through every place and space and you worked through every storm and the storms within the storms and the struggles. Uh, we, we become in awe at someone like the Apostle Paul that goes through so many things and still stands, but God, there are things that in our own lives that don't seem to make sense, that ellipsis, that crushing, maybe that limiting, maybe that, that confinement that we might be feeling right now. Holy Spirit, would you just begin to bring into our hearts and our minds that peace that passes understanding and to realize that you are at work, that you can work in any situation, that gold is proven pure through the fire, that lives are proven solid by the difficulties that we face, and the times where we feel like we can't handle it, you're there, and just because the storm is present doesn't mean you're absent. God, help us to stand on that, even In faith today even if it's like I hear you but I can't see it God I pray in Jesus name you would give us the faith to stand until we do see it to trust you that you will work all things together for good and God in this moment right now I know those that are watching online there are those in the room right now and I consider myself one of these people that might be facing a time of waiting or pain or difficulty that we don't understand. God, I thank you that you do. God, thank you that we know that this life is a test and a trust, and I pray for those in this room. There might be one, and that's enough. There might be multiple people in this room that are facing things right now, and you've reorchestrated this schedule today for moving about a missionary and bringing this message in. God, I pray that we would receive it and take it into our hearts that you know what you're doing and you are there and that we can trust the principle of inversion that when we feel our weakest, you're gonna be the strongest. God, I pray that you would minister and your Holy Spirit would just bring encouragement to the minds and hearts that need it the most, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, well, would you stand with me today? Thanks for being willing to uh, shuffle the deck and, and do something a little different. Uh, well, actually, it wasn't something different. It's the same old, same old for you, right? The different didn't show, but that's all right. Those of you online, we're glad you're there. There's a prayer wall right over here. We'd love to have prayer with you. If we can pray for you or with you in any way possible, there'll be people there that love Jesus and would love to pray with you today. If you're online, we have a host. You can just say, hey, pray for me. Give us your information. We'd love to do that. But God knows. God cares, and according to his word, he still has a plan for your good. Know that today. Until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that he would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go live the life. Hey guys, this is Pastor Dave. I just wanted to say thank you for joining us today for this podcast. You know, at Family Life Church, our vision is to create a safe, authentic environment where people connect with Jesus. And we don't believe it's an accident that you joined us today. You know, if this message meant something to you, we would love to hear from you. You can connect with us on our website at myflc.org. Or you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Family Life Church Newburgh. And I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and you can listen regularly. And I just want to say thank you and God bless your week.